What's up, fam? Dr. O here. I listened to the Breakfast Club interview with Nikki Haley, and last week, before, early last week sometime, I posted uh, a, a tweet or X or whatever you want to call it and whatever. I grammed it. I don't know. Uh, and it said something to the effect of, you know, I never see Latino white Native American or Asian entertainers brought on these news shows to talk about issues relating to politics. I only see it with black people. They see entertainers as our leaders and, and they're not. Now, of course, we have had many entertainers throughout our history who have been leaders, but I'll be quite honest, in my opinion, many of these individuals were leaders who were entertainers such as the great Harry Belafonte, for example, and people of that ilk. That's how I see them personally. But, you know, when I see, like, you know, Charles Barkley being called up for his political opinion, you know, Diamond and Silk before one of them passed, and or people like, or, or guys who don't go by their their actual names, like like Killer Mike and, and Charlemagne and the like, it's it's not about a personal attack on any one of these individuals. I mean, Killer Mike obviously is is extremely um, sharp in his in his in his political acumen, whether you agree with him or not. I mean, that that's just a fact. I mean, and Charles Barkley also, you know, has has strong opinions, and some of them, you know, I agree with. But it's about this, you know, when Chris Rock put out his documentary on, on hair or his movie on hair, people were calling him the black hair expert. When Steve Harvey put out a a, a, a film or I'm sorry, a book about relationships. People were calling him a, a relationship guru. We have black haircut experts. We have uh, black uh, marriage experts and relationship experts. And, you know, we have people, obviously, who, who speak in the political spaces. But these networks don't really want to see that. Many of them don't want to see that. So they call on the entertainers because they've always seen those people as our leaders. And so it is kind of flipped in re reverse as it relates to the Breakfast Club because with The Breakfast Club, you see play people like Vivek Ramaswamy, now Nikki Haley, and others who see this show, which is a show, an entertainment show, a hip-hop-based entertainment show, as the place to go to to talk to black people. Not coming on shows with the, the late, great, rest in peace and power, uh, Joe Madison, Dr. Joe Madison. Um, not on shows like uh, Clay Kane or Laredi and Your Favors or or Karen Hunter or, of course, Roland Martin and the Black Star Network. They don't see those spaces as worthy enough to actually come and talk directly to black people. So they go to places like The Breakfast Club where they can see it as a place where they're not going to get hardball questions and, and they're not going to get legitimate follow-up. And what I really feel like people need to do with the breakfast club is if DJ Envy and, and, and Charlemagne, if y'all are going to have these guests on, it's extremely important to bring on experts from our community who can challenge the host that the guest that you have. And I'm not talking about some belligerent, try to get a viral clip, shut down type accusations, point fingers, yell, rah, rah, turn it into some real housewives or house husbands type stuff. We don't need any of that. I'm talking about somebody like a Roland Martin, somebody like an Angela Rye, somebody like a Laurie Daniel Favor, somebody like a Karen Hunter, somebody like a Clay Kane, who can go point by point off the top 
and respond to a lot of the nonsense that is spewed. Because some of the questions that you all ask on the show on The Breakfast Club, there were some good questions, but the follow-up was lacking. And so as I'm listening to the entire interview, you know, I'm making all of these notes that somebody with a basic knowledge of some of the issues that were discussed as it relates to the political spaces that we're in today could easily respond to. She starts off the, the, the thing talking about there's, she starts off by talking about there's nothing good in this country. And mind you, this is an hour-long interview. An hour-long interview that even though Charlemagne has said in other interviews that when it comes down to it, even though he may have issues with Biden, he's going to choose democracy over Trump. You know, he's asking Haley to tell people where to go, not to see more of her website, but to donate to the website. So it's almost like a tacit level of support. And to be quite honest, if we're going to be honest, you know, there's millions of followers and listeners to The Breakfast Club, but I would argue that the particularly the younger adult, the younger hip-hop audience who listens to the show are not reliable voters. So there's a strong opportunity with this platform to really be able to educate the people. Let me just run through some things that, you know, I, I caught off the top that somebody like myself or someone with a deeper knowledge of history, uh, Dr. Carr, Greg Carr, would have picked up on easily just to ask strong follow-up questions. She says there's nothing good going on in the country. What about the unemployment rate? which is at historic lows for, for, for black people and black men, better than the Trump numbers. What about Biden's historic support and funding for HBCUs that Roland Martin does at least like, at least a minimum, like 10 minutes on this, like every week on this show. Sometimes it goes in like 30, 40 minutes. I'm sitting there in class on the screen while this is happening. What about that? What about diabetes medication, you know, for insulin and how he got that down to $35? Like these are things that have direct impact in the black community. How about the Obamacare numbers as well? How about like basic things that would have helped respond to this nonsense of uh, there's nothing good going on in the country. Or another thing she said, when I grew up, it was neighbors taking care of neighbors. Oh, you know, there's another person who could have been on the show to refute that Michael Harriet, who I from, you know, from the same area, from South Carolina as well, who could have, who talks openly about the fact, has put this on social media often about how Nikki Haley's family could not get uh, the opportunity, they're from India, you know, could not get the opportunity to rent from white people until they signed the lease agreeing to not have black kids in their house to visit, in the house that they were renting from. Is that neighbors taking care of neighbors? Nikki Haley also went to a school that was segregated at, at one point as well. Is that neighbors taking care of neighbors in South Carolina? I mean, really, like, those are basic things, right? Uh, she talks about, you know, Donald Trump came along and he he was great at breaking things that needed to be broken in this country, but they didn't, uh, they didn't do a follow-up on what, those, what that breaking means. Was she talking about, like, a, a Muslim ban? Is that what something that should have been necessary? You know, uh, Dr. Joe Madison talks about, in journalism, your, your, your next question is followed up by the last answer. So you don't just go make sure you go through your questions you got to get through. You have to be able to follow up. Uh, she, she called Obama the divider. She said Obama was the person who divided America. No shade for the Tea Party. No shade for all of the other heinous things that have been going on in this country with the rise of anti-Semitism, the rise of extremism, with all of the hate crimes going on in the country. Even before Obama, black people have been the number one targets for hate crimes. And right now we're still the number one targets for hate crimes in this country. Some things never change. 
Why not bring that up and say Obama's policies and Obama's presence are the things that divide? He was the one through his policies that divided the, the, the country and that, you know, we need to go back to the way it was before, the way it was before. With mass incarceration being what it is, uh, with the way that we're, we're targeted as it relates to many of these unarmed police shootings that were happening way before Obama. Like, what does going back to what it was before mean? I mean, come on, could have hit that. She talked about the economy under Trump. And the fact of the matter is Biden's economy is doing better than Trump's economy pre-COVID. Everybody wants to throw in COVID as some type of anomaly. But the fact of the matter is Biden's economy is doing better than Trump's before COVID happened. And, it, it would, and then it became an even greater disaster. Where else? She talks about abortion. And, you know, people ask her, would you support a federal ban? And she says, well, we're never going to get that type of support in the House and Senate. The follow-up question is, well, if you did have that support in the House and Senate, would you support the ban? That doesn't happen. Then she went on this whole long thing about how she was the leader in the flag coming, the Confederate flag coming down after the shooting at Mother Emanuel, uh, Emanuel Church. Like, she was like, I did this, and I called this group together, and I did this, and I said to them, I said to this, and nobody could shout out Bree Newsom? Like, nobody? You know, climb flag, but uh, the post and pulled it down, and other people before that who, who, who tried to do that? Nobody can talk about the activists. And then she said, you know, many black people in South Carolina didn't want the flag down as well. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the majority of black people wanted that down. But she turned herself as someone who was this MLK-esque figure in her leadership towards that when she was supportive of the flag being up there for, for years. She says it's not her job to judge evil and hate. Like, what the hell? What's your job as president? Somebody wants to lead the country. Dr. King said that you can't. My favorite Dr. King quotation. I know that some people have the ones that they pull out on the same one every year. Said you can't legislate morality, but you can regulate behavior. Yeah, you can't teach people not to hate. But when you see these hateful acts, you can make sure that they get locked up and penalized. Talk about that. Uh, she talks about how racism, America's not a racist country, but she talks about how she experienced racism, and but she doesn't want people's kids to go out and, and, and feel like they can't do anything because America's racist. And I appreciated what Charlemagne said. He said, it's just fact. You know, he said, if you tell people that it's cold outside, they put on a coat. But she was like, no, that's going to teach them to be fearful to go outside. And we don't need that. But at the same time, she talked about the pain that she experienced from her father going to a produce stand. And people called the police on him. And when they drove home, they never talked about it. But you know what she said after that? To this day, whenever she drives past the produce stand, she experiences pain. So that means that racist nature is still here. So what about the pain we experience as black people when a cop rolls up behind us, even though nothing may happen? What about that pain we experience going, going on jobs and people want to want to hire us because of how we look or that pain we, we have to deal with when people talking about, you know, well, you know, our black women are just too loud or black women, men are just too, too this or too that. That's from systemic issues throughout history. And you're talking about one issue relating to a, a, a produce stand. And it seems like that's been an issue that's been dogging you for decades now. Well, what about what, what the sister referred to as post-traumatic slave syndrome? Your one little trauma incident, magnify that by a thousand or a million and then tell us that there's no, you know, that there's not a racist nature in what goes on in the United States still today. These are follow-up things that should have been brought up, but it's not. How about the fact that, you know, you grew up in this area where people were taking care of each other, but your dad couldn't get a job until he was hired at an historically black college? 
How about the fact that white people wouldn't buy your mother's clothes that she would made and black people supported y'all on that? This is everybody taking care of everybody. Look, there are so many other things I can go down on here. Um, she talks about immigration, you know, even though the fact that more people were uh, deported under Obama and Biden than Trump. Uh, she talks about, you know, not wanting kids to see things. Or what about, you know, what adults are seeing every day? Are we just supposed to forget what we experience? You can't forget the produce stand. You can't forget that pageant you couldn't participate in and they send you home on like a toy of some sort. She said that, oh, she talks, she talks about here, you know, that, that this whole idea of, of uh, Texas. And he's like, well, will Texas secede from the union? She's like, well, I don't know if that's what the people want. Let them do it. And then they asked him about, you know, what Biden, you know, uh, the whole thing about what, what Governor Abbott's doing with the border. And she's like, you know, it's fine for Abbott to uh, ignore the Supreme Court ruling on Biden being able to cut down this, these barriers that have been making that are harming people. So basically you're saying that it's okay to ignore the Supreme Court. That's what you're, and you want to be president of the United States. I mean, when people are talking, these states, what they're doing in terms of ignoring Supreme Court decisions, like this is Andrew Jackson level stuff that led to the trails of tears, the trail of tears. Because Andrew Jackson said, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I want that land and I got the military. Bye. And while I'm kicking you off this land, I'm going to be infecting your blankets with smallpox to make sure as many of y'all die on the way out. And that and that and that's what you want to do in supporting Abbott. And you want to be president of the United States. I'm sorry, I can't see that. And then she talks about um, the whole thing, you know, relating to uh, issues relating to, she's talking about... Uh, Trans, you know, when people talk about like, you know, this idea of parents should be the teachers and all of this other types of stuff and teaching her kids things, you know, and parents should have the right to do this and do that. But she's anti-trans. Right. And, uh, and she I mean, she's also supporting measures that would, you know, ban uh, people who have trans kids the opportunities to be able to get the type of care that they need. But she's talking about parents should be the ones making decisions on these things. And so, you know, and then lastly, uh, this will be my last point from my notes. Yeah, I, I have more, but I'm gonna leave it at that. You know, she talks about how Trump restored this country. He brought us back and we respected in the world. Did you not see the video? When he was laughed at at the United Nations, you, you were there, most likely, uh, Mr. Ambassador to the United Nations. So he didn't, he didn't do that. You know, uh, on abortion, she talks about her difficulty having a child and, and you know, her, her, her husband being adopted. And that's why she's, quote, well, she's pro-abortion, uh, uh, anti-abortion. You know, I'm a language guy, so there's a difference between me and anti-abortion and pro-life. But, you know, she would call herself, quote, unquote, pro-life. You know, it's not what it is. But because you've had those experiences, a 12-year-old girl that gets raped has to be forced to have the baby. How about the stat that says something to the effect of like over 50,000 uh, women who have been raped since some of these laws banning abortions have come up have been forced to have those babies. But because of your issues, that's it. These are basic things that come off the top from me as somebody who is a consumer of news and politics. And the Breakfast Club did not do a good job with that. This was the same thing with Vivek Ramaswamy. And so we have to ask the question, why is it that these guys see the this avenue as the place to go to talk to black people? DJ Envy, uh, Charlemagne, I, I respect what you all have done in, in building your audience and in building yourself as a as a destination. But there's a, you know, let's just go Uncle Ben right, Spider-Man, you know, a great power comes great responsibility. And my hope is that you are going to be 
more responsible with this large platform that you have. And a very easy way to do this is you don't got to read up on all of this stuff. Just bring on somebody who can bring up some fact checking in real time. Because some of the way you went, and to be quite honest, I felt like you went harder on her than you did on Kamala Harris. And this is a hip hop space. And, you know, we got to talk about hip hop and its respect for, for black women, right? I often wake up wondering what hip hop would be like if it were actually protected black women. But that's a video for another day. At the end of the day, we have to make sure that these people who want to claim to lead our community in terms of being presidents and governors of states and countries or of the country are coming to speak to places where there is black intellectual thought and institutional knowledge who can provide real questions. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Nikki Haley, get up on those serious XM shows. Get up on, uh, go holler at uh, Joanne Reed. Go holler at Roland Martin. And again, not for to make it viral moments, but you know, we have to demand that people respect black intellect. We have to demand that people respect and come before black people with historical knowledge. It still, it still matters. And we have to start putting ourselves in situations where we're no longer allowing this country to look at our entertainers as leaders. And I'm speaking specifically about those entertainers who are not active in political spaces. We gotta do better. And that was a one-hour promo for Nikki Haley, or she's probably raising a lot of money on as it relates to how she went and spoke to the black community. And as I'm thinking about the passing of the great Joe Madison, and I'm thinking about how so many off in so many spaces, you know, we don't support the news that uh, that are on these you know channels, you know, BET News and other things and the like, you know, and and, and those things get canceled. We got to do better because our, our our country, our children, and our future depending on it. So I'm hoping that I shared some advice that can be constructive um, for you, Charlemagne, DJ Envy, and The Breakfast Club. I hope that I'm sharing some thoughts that can make us all really think twice about how we're consuming our information and news and, and this idea and concept about how Black people are, you know, people look at the entertainers as the one who need to be spoken to for their political opinions. As Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And I'm just sharing this in hopes that, that we all start to do better and really start to harness the power that we have as a community. Peace out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.